0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On this edition of the Pigpen Podcast, training camp has officially begun. Football is officially back, and life is good again. We had a lot of Redskins stuff to talk about. Jay Gruden had an introductory press conference today. We will break down some of the key things that I heard, not saw, but heard in that press conference, plus the Trent Williams news and the Mason Foster move and what that means for the future of the Redskins linebacking core. All of that will be discussed in this episode. So I'm going to roll the music and we're going to jump right on into it. This is the Pigpen Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I am Denton Day at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. If this is your first time listening, go follow me there. Tweet at me throughout the season. All this Redskins stuff that we got going on, uh, it's sure to be a very, very fun training camp. We had a little bit of that stuff start uh, today, so we are going to get into all of that stuff. If this is your first time listening on Hogs Haven, subscribe to the podcast feed. Whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe to us there, and then be sure to interact with us on the Hogs Haven website. So we're going to kind of jump around a little bit here because we do have so much to talk about. And I'm going to try and make this uh, as quick as possible, but I'm going to try and uh, be as um, uh, informed and talk about the real stuff uh, that we got going on here. I think just based on the the importance of, of things, I think we're going to start with the Trent Williams stuff uh, because I feel like this is kind of the biggest issue. We'll, we'll kind of end with the Mason Foster stuff. Uh, but we're going to start with Trent Williams to the surprise of absolutely no one except for Maybe Bruce Allen, Trent Williams did not show up to training camp. We knew that. We anticipated that that was going to happen. So it's really not that big of a deal. Um, but I, I, I will say, I am a little stunned. Uh, there was a kind of a not a viral video per se, but kind of a video floating around that it sure seemed. Uh, To look like Bruce Allen was unaware of the fact that Trent Williams was not going to be showing up to training camp on day one. That is particularly alarming considering that Bruce Allen is going to be the guy who's in charge of a lot of personnel moves. And he doesn't know that arguably the team's best player who's been having, I guess, we'll say holding out. I don't really know if he's been officially holding out because he hasn't really been going anywhere, but he's been having issues with the organization for the entirety of this offseason, and he did not know that Trent Williams was not going to be here. I find that a little bit alarming. But let's do this, the the, the panic meter, right? That's that's a trend. When you have something going wrong in, any, in any, any way in your organization, you do the panic meter. So right now, I would say, for me, My panic meter in regards to the Trent Williams situation, if one being the lowest and 10 being the highest, right now, I think we're at an even keel three. A three. I think that's a reasonable place right now. It seems like he is going to come back. Jay Gruden uh, seemed very, very optimistic, and we will hear from Jay Gruden on Trent Williams in just a second. But it seems like Trent Williams is going to be making his way back. Now, as we get closer to the start of the season and to Philadelphia in week 1 if Trent's not back that meter will move it will move very very much but as of right now i think 3 is a is a good spot in regards to everything going on with Trent Williams we still don't really seem to have the greatest idea as to why he's actually holding out we have some rumors so i guess we do have ideas but we don't really have like a concrete reason is it the new contract? Is it because he just wasn't pleased with the medical staff? I don't really know. We just know that he's not there. And Jay Gruden was asked about Trent Williams' absence in kind of like an opening press conference uh, for training camp. And this is what he said about Trent Williams. Really concentrating on the guys that are here right now. We know how we feel about Trent, how important he is to this football team, and we expect him here sooner than later. Uh, right now there's some things he has to work out uh, individually, personally with his agent, professionally, uh, whatever that may be. Uh, I don't take anything personal in this business for sure. Love Trent, love what he's done for this franchise and his team, but we expect him back soon. You know, there's hope's not a word that I'm going to use. I expect him to come back, and uh, he understands what this franchise has done for him, and he understands what he's done for this franchise. So that, those comments right there are part of the reason why I am a little bit optimistic about this. So it seems like Trent Williams doesn't have an issue with Jay, or at least Jay doesn't have an issue with him. Like I said, we don't really know what Trent Williams truly has an issue with in this organization at the moment. But it would seem as though the issue isn't between Trent and Jay, and that's a big positive. And we got to take these wins where we can get them at the moment. But I would say that that's a positive because Jay is going to be the one that he interacts with the most. So this seems like more of a, an issue with the organization in and of itself. Now, that is a problem because the hierarchy of the organization is not going anywhere in the near future. And I, and I think most of you listening as Redskins fans, would sure like to keep Trent Williams around for the foreseeable future. So if there is some sort of issue organizationally, maybe it is with Bruce Allen, Dan Snyder, or maybe it's the medical staff. Maybe he just wants to get paid. I don't really know. But if there's an issue regarding Trent Williams that is keeping him away, that issue needs to be resolved. And I am confident, like Jay Gruden seems to be, that we are going to see Trent Williams in training camp at some point. I would just like it to be sooner rather than later. Because we need a little bit of work on the offensive line. We have uh, an interesting group that's going to be working together on this line. And I would sure like those guys to build chemistry, especially uh, seeing what the quarterback situation is like for this team right now, uh, which is at this point, it's kind of like a three-way battle. Uh, Jay Gruden talked about that a little bit in the press conference. We will get to that in just a second. Uh, but at the moment, it seems like the problem is not between Trent and Jay. That is a win and the panic meter for the Trent Williams ordeal that we have going on right now is a three. If he's not back, say, by week three of the preseason, that will move drastically. The needle will. But right now, it's a three. We're still early. It's still July. I do think at some point Trent Williams will show up, and hopefully there will be some sort of contract restructuring that will make Trent Williams happy for a long, long time. And hopefully that restructuring will work together with keeping Brandon Sheriff, we also need to keep. And that plays with the Tron. The Redskins' offensive line has some really big issues. And the the, the whole pay structure thing, or the, the desire for a new contract with Brandon Sheriff, I guess we haven't really talked about this, so I'll do a quick deep dive. I don't have anything in my notes about Brandon Sheriff, but we're here, so we might as well go and just kind of run with this. I don't understand why they're not going to pay him either. If there's two guys that you would want to pay on this team right now, Jonathan Adam will be in that group soon. But as at this point right now, it's Trent Williams and it's Brandon Sheriff. And it sure seems like the Redskins don't really want to pay either of those two guys, which makes absolutely no sense. And quite frankly, those are two guys that I never really thought would have an issue when it comes to, to money, just based on their personalities. I guess Brandon Sheriff doesn't really have an issue right now. like He is there. So that's a big deal, and that's a big win. But the Trent issue is very much a real thing. Uh, but the, the, from all, all that we've heard so far, it seems like The two sides for the the Redskins and the Braden Sheriff situation are far apart. And I know I'm not a negotiator of contracts. I just get on here and talk about football because it's really, really fun. But I don't understand some negotiating tactics. If you have a very, very good guard who could be one of the best five, maybe five in the league, I don't think many people are going to argue that. Braden Sheriff is very, very good at his job. You have one guard who is one of the best five in the league. If he asks for a certain amount of money, let's just say these these numbers are hypothetical, but let's just say Sheriff says, I'd like 15. And the Redskins say, well, we're going to give you 11. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. And they need to fix that immediately. There there, there, there shouldn't be much jockeying from the Redskins' perspective here because we don't have the best leverage in the run. I mean, we have the leverage in the fact that we are the ones paying the money. But when it comes to Brandon Sheriff, a guy that is anchored down the line when healthy, and obviously you can't predict injuries. We're not in that business. But when he is healthy, he is anchored down that side of the line and been great on the run, great in the pass. He's been a, he's been, like I said, he's top five, top five easy. Maybe not easy, but top five for sure. I would say he's top five guard. You pay a top five guard. It wasn't too long ago that the Redskins' offensive line was a complete and utter disaster. And if you remember anything about the Jason Campbell era with this team, it was solely predicated his failures, at least in my eyes for Jason Campbell, was solely predicated on the fact that he was running for his life on a consistent basis because the offensive line was terrible. And somehow, in a very what I would say a relatively, not very, but a relatively short period of time, the Redskins went from a terrible offensive line to a very, very good one. And at one point when the team was all healthy, which we know that the Redskins offensive line has been healthy for a very, very long time. But when they were 100% healthy, the offensive line was one of the best in the league. And you knew... That you would have to pay these guys, and for some reason, they don't really seem to want to pay Trent what he's worth, and he might actually be the best left tackle in football, and now they have a young, homegrown guard who is top five at his position, and they don't seem to want to pay him what he thinks he deserves, which is market value. That's terrible business running right there from an organization that at one point was terrible with spending money in a bad way because they overpaid people they shouldn't. Now they have two guys that they should pay and they're not doing that. It makes no sense, but I guess that's kind of how this organization is run. That was not intended to be a rant, but that's kind of what that turned into. And I stand by all of it. They need to pay Brandon Sheriff. They need to pay Trent Williams. Get those two guys, make them happy. Get Trent Williams back in camp, and we're going to be good for the future. But you got to pay those two guys. It's really as simple as that. So let's get into this Jay Gruden presser now. He made some opening comments, and the one comment that everyone is going to be talking about for a little bit, this is hilarious. I laughed out loud at this the first time I said that. So Jay Gruden might not be the best coach in the world, but he's funny. Well, I knew the bull wouldn't hit him. He's he avoids contact. Oh. No. <laughs> Just kidding, Josh. Just kidding. Was he kidding, though? I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but was he kidding? It was an athletic move, so I'm glad that Jay was a little like preppy about it. He was like happy about it. He was joking. That's a that's a positive sign because I know when I first saw that, I was a little upset, but I kind of got over it. And Josh Josh Norman actually, like he's, from what I've seen, he's played the run pretty well. So I'm not going to harp on him too much. But that comment was funny. So at least they have some sort of good relationship. It's nice to see that Jay has a good relationship with the players. He doesn't do a lot of things exceptionally well. But it sure does seem like he and the guys that he coaches tend to have a good relationship. No one has really left the team in the Jay Gruden era and been like, yo, you know who really sucks? Jay Gruden. He was awful. No one's really done that. They've come after the organization, and the organization has deserved just about every single bit of that. But no one really comes after Jay Gruden. So uh, I like the fact that Jay Gruden it seems to be liked by his players and seems to like his players back. But let's get to some of the stuff he talked about. I kind of have some bullet points here, so we'll, we'll run through these uh, one by one. He did talk a little bit about Eric Flowers. Obviously, with Trent Williams not here at the moment, um, there could be some speculation on possibly putting Flowers at guard. He kind of confirmed what we already knew in the fact that Brand or not, I keep wanting to call him Brandon, but he confirmed that Eric Flowers is an offensive lineman. So he's not a guard. He's not a tackle. They're going to be a little versatile with him and try him at different spots. I like the concept of that idea, and I'm hoping that Flowers becomes this Oladipo type of move for the Redskins, for all my NBA fans, where uh, it seemed like Victor Oladipo just really needed to change the scenery, and once he got that, he flourished. I'd love for that to be Eric Flowers and have him flourish with us after the Giants debacle, uh, that, that mess that it was when he was with them. I'd love for him to flourish here, but the execution of this idea is something that I am a little skeptical about just because what we have seen from Eric flowers at the pro level wasn't exactly the greatest performance in the world. So I'm a little skeptical about trying to teach him new positions, uh, in terms of being a guard, uh, either on the right or the left side, it seemed like the plan, uh, was if they, once Trent is back, that he is going to play more in that left guard spot. So obviously, you would like him to get reps with Trent Williams and get used to to working next to one of the best left tackles, but just getting reps and getting chemistry with the guys working with him. Uh, but it seems like we are going to get a little bit of Er, Brandon or Eric, not Brandon. Damn it. Uh, we're going to get Eric flowers. I'm going to have to tattoo his name on my skin or something. Uh, we're going to Eric flowers a little bit of everywhere. So hopefully, like I said, that becomes a, a Victor Oladipo type situation here. Um, uh, but that, like I said, I'm very, very skeptical on this. I don't know how this situation is going to work out. Uh, he did. Jay Gruden did add that Cole McCoy is good to go. So we now have a, a trio of a competition at the quarterback spot with Keenum, with McCoy, with Haskins, He said that the reps Jay Gruden did were going to be distributed evenly at this point. Um, So we're going 33, 33, 33 percentile there. And that's going to make the preseason very, very interesting. Because if you know how Jay Gruden works in the preseason, I mentioned, you know, there's some things that he does better than others. Uh, One of his worst qualities as a head coach is the way that he handles the team in the preseason. Uh, It doesn't seem like he cares all that much about reps. Now, he he claims that he does that. I know they, they run hard in training camp. But when you watch the preseason games, it sure seemed like the past few years. uh, Some of the ones weren't running as much as you would want them to run. And I guess you can kind of point to some injuries. And of course, the Darius Geist thing is something that's going to stick out in a lot of people's minds. But even going back a year further, when we had Terrell Pryor and we're like, oh, Terrell Pryor is going to be awesome and they didn't run a lot together in the preseason, and all those cool videos that we saw in training camp never actually became what Charles Pryor was with this team, and I attribute that a lot to the fact that they didn't get real game speed reps with Kirk Cousins, so I want these quarterbacks to get real reps with the ones, but that requires keeping the ones in a little bit longer in a real game atmosphere in the preseason, which is something that Jay Gruden doesn't like to do. He seems to be very traditional with the way that he plays his ones and that he plays them for a possession or two in the first game, a little bit more in the second game, kind of like a full half in the third, and then like none in the fourth, and generally, I think that's a good way to do it, but because we are such a, a young team with a lot of new pieces, I think you need to play a lo- uh, the guys a lot more in the preseason, and that's going to be very hard to manage with the quarterbacks if it is truly a three-way competition here. I mean if Colt Coy is kind of the obvi- or Colt McCoy is kind of the obvious third guy here, maybe he doesn't get some of those reps in the preseason and it it falls solely on Keenum and Dwayne Haskins, but you gotta get guys reps at game speed more than at the training camp level. And I think because of that, uh, at least at this point I'm favoring case Keenum a little bit here just because he is the veteran and you don't really want to throw your rookie right into the fire. But at the same time, and I've been very upfront on this and uh, you can just check old episodes of this podcast. uh, If case Keenum is ready to go case or not case Keenum, if Dwayne Haskins is ready to go, Dwayne Haskins is ready to go, and you go with him. Um, so the fact that Colt is good to go is a positive sign just for him because I do like Colt McCoy, uh, but it does throw a little bit of a monkey wrench in how they're going to work this quarterback battle in, the, in, the, in training camp and once we get into the preseason because, like I said, Groot is not a big preseason guy. Uh, another positive in the quarterback room is that Alex Smith uh, is going to be around, He's not going to be around all of the time because Jay did stress that, you know, getting him healthy is his should be his first priority. Uh, But he did say that he will be around in the quarterback room and he's going to be talking to the guys and helping them kind of learn this offense a little bit, obviously, uh, with Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins not having uh, the background that Alex does in this offense or the background that Cole McCoy does in this offense, they're going to need a little bit of help. So Alex is going to be there to help them. That's a huge positive. I love the idea of keeping Alex around the organization because I think Alex Smith just as a person uh, is a really, really great guy and a really great guy to have around the organization. But of course, I mean, everyone that Alex Smith has kind of mentored has became pretty good. So obviously there's there's an element to that as well that I'm not expecting Dwayne Haskins to come out and be Patrick Mahomes when he does start, uh, but having Alex as a mentor has proved to be successful for a lot of guys, at least in their immediate future. And I, that's something that I would like here for, for the time being. And I think that's a big positive as well. Jay Gruden did talk about Philadelphia uh, more than I thought he would. It was very Bill Belichick-esque. So a lot of coaches are now doing this. We're, we're on to, to Cincinnati type stuff. And everything was, was working towards Philadelphia. And of course, there are opening games. So that does make a whole lot of sense. Uh, but he just did tend to say that that's something that stuck out to me. That has nothing to do really with anything. I just, he said, preparing for Philadelphia a lot more than I thought he was going to. Um, So, and then there was the Josh Norman jab, which is still that that, that's going to be the highlight of this entire press conference. It's going to be the Josh Norman jab. And it's funny. It is. And I'm hoping that Josh Norman can use some of that athleticism that he showcased while jumping over a bull and can come down with uh, some interceptions this year. We could, uh, we could really use that. Before training camp even started, the team made the big move of releasing Mason Foster. We will talk about the impact of that move and how going younger on the defensive side could be a big, big positive. We'll do that next. I think it's safe to agree when talking about this, this decision to move Mason Foster. And First off, I was, I was one of the, what seemed to be one of the few people that I was a, I was a Mason Foster guy. I really enjoyed his time here. I thought he was a great play caller for the defense, and I thought he did bring a lot to the defense. Watching him and Zach Brown together was truly a lot of fun when that was actually a duo, and it really is quite surprising how quickly that duo fell apart. But here we are. Mason Foster is no longer with the team, and quite frankly, the timing of this is absolutely atrocious. Remember when I said that Trent Williams' issue is probably with the organization and not with Jay Gruden and how everyone's... Problems have been with the organization and mostly not with Jay Gruden. Well, this is kind of one of the reasons why when they do things like this, when you uh, release a guy literally a day and a half or so before training camp. It's not the greatest look in the world, and a part of me kind of thought like maybe there was like some writing on the wall here, and maybe they kind of informed Mason like, "Hey, uh, we got Bostic now, and you're probably not gonna not gonna be starting." And then maybe he possibly took an issue and said, "You know what? I'd like to be released," and and so on and so forth. Maybe he was really taking control, and and that's just what it was. Uh, then we saw the tweets, and it sure seemed like. Uh, he didn't really have any knowledge of this, and he was ready to he was packed and ready to go to training camp and now, all of a sudden, he's not with the team anymore. So from that aspect, it sucks. It's not great, and like I said, I liked Mason, I liked watching him play, and him and Zach Brown were a great combination, even him and Will Compton were a great combination together for at least a little bit. He's gone now though, and we're moving on. the wheels the wheel is continuing to move. I didn't know a whole lot about Bostic. I looked him up. I became a fan of John Bostic. His stats don't really tell the whole story because when you kind of look at his stats, uh, they're almost a little frightening because it doesn't seem like he's played a lot. But when you actually watch him, you see, okay, this is probably why the Redskins wanted to go in that direction. And I think once they realized that uh, Bostic, like what Mason Foster was doing on the defense, he can call plays I think they realized, all right, well, we can kind of use him a little bit more and we don't really have a big need for Mason. But Bostic, he's quick He's fast. He plays the run great, and he does have some sort of element uh, of pass coverage, which not a whole lot of middle linebackers do have. Uh, uh, Mason had a little bit of that. He did make some sort of plays uh, down the field when he was uh, in charge of of covering guys, covering the tight ends, because tight ends are a huge part in in today's game. And Bostic seems to have that ability as well, at least a little bit. Obviously, if you would have if you have an option but between a safety and a linebacker covering a tight end. 15, 20 yards down the field, you're taking the safety, but uh, the ability to kind of make a play when needed is huge. And uh, from what I saw on the short amount of tape that I got to watch of John Bostic, he did have that ability. But I think this is really a move about getting younger. And the the Redskins have two guys that I really think could be studs moving forward. Uh, you got Sean Dion Hamilton, and then you have my guy, Josh Harvey Clemens. I remember when the Redskins drafted Josh Harvey Clemens and uh, that that the whole draft time in the NFL is just filled with like intangibles. Uh, You know, you're just getting all of these intangibles thrown in your face, like the height, the 40 time, uh, the hands, the wingspan and stuff that doesn't even really matter. Uh, But when you when the Redskins drafted Josh Harvey Clemens, I looked at all of these intangibles and I thought to myself, damn, he has he has it. Like he has he, he is the whole package of a great football player, just based on the intangibles. And we didn't throw him into the fire immediately. And I kind of think that helped his growth a little bit uh, because what we have seen from Josh Harvey Clemens, I think has been huge. I think he's been a very positive contributor to the defense so far. And I like the idea of kind of trending in that direction. I like the idea of a young, fast defense. And if you kind of look at the way that certain uh, successful teams have been built in the past, uh, kind of not the Patriots, like basically anyone except the Patriots because they are they just have some formula that no one has been able to figure out. But basically every other uh, really, really good defensive team is built with young defenders uh, while they kind of have them in that window. Because the, the way the NFL works with payments, and we're seeing this on our offensive line, you kind of have a small window when you get everyone for cheap. And I like some of the guys that we have now for cheap. And when these guys' contracts run out, because they haven't played, you know, four to five years of high-level football, we will still be able to re-sign them for cheap. So you got about a, uh, I guess you could say, you know, another four to five years with this duo, if you play your cards right. And then, of course, that does factor in some of the guys we have on the defensive line with Payne, Ioannidis, and Allen. And I mean, I don't know if we can rave about those three guys enough. So I love the idea of getting younger and mixing it up a little bit on defense. Of course, Harvey, Harvey Clemens, one of the big intangibles for him is he is huge. He's a very, very big dude. He is athletic. He played a little bit of safety in college. So he can kind of um he he's a guy that can get in coverage a little bit. And I'm comfortable with him getting into coverage at least a little bit. So while it does suck a little bit to see Mason Foster go, Uh, I understand it after taking everything into account. And I'm still very much a firm believer, uh, maybe even more now than I was uh, right after the draft. I think our defense is going to be really, really good. And I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting here on a Redskins platform and because I've repped this burgundy and gold, all these colors uh, for the entirety of my life. But I think I watch uh I look at the roster I watch some of the some of the guys play on tape and this defense looks like it is going to be really really good and I think at least me personally I'm to the point where if they're not a good defense I'm going to be disappointed like I truly am going to be disappointed if they don't have a certain level of success that I think they can have because we have all the pieces in place. I think our secondary has gotten better. Uh, If Josh Norman does actually use that athleticism, he used to jump over a bull to make plays. And if Quentin Dunbar stays healthy, I think we have all the tools on defense to be a really, really good team. And that could be the difference in a couple big big games in terms of picking up wins and I said I think I think my official prediction once the schedule was dropped for the Redskins was between seven to nine games and i regardless of who we have at quarterback I think I'm sticking with that because I love this defense so much so um, it sucks to see Mason go uh, but I'm really really liking the way and the direction that our defense is going I'd love to know your thoughts tweet at me at Den underscore date. comment down below if you're listening to this on hot uh, dot com. Let me know what you think of the Trent situation. Let me know what you think of this defensive situation. And if anything stuck out from Jay Gruden's press conference that I didn't mention, tweet it at me, at Denton underscore day, and let me know. Until then, I'll see you guys next time on the Pigpen Podcast.